Blog Talk Radio. Hi there, welcome to Teach Me to Talk the Podcast. I'm Laura Mize, pediatric speech language pathologist, and it's the new year. It's 2014, so I'm so excited to be doing yet another year of podcasts. I can't believe it's lasted five and a half years. And since I haven't done the show in, say, three weeks or so, I'm a little bit nervous today, so you'll have to forgive me if I sound a little rambly or if my voice shakes a little bit. Uh, Before we get started with our great guest who has a wonderful question, let me highlight some new articles that I've written uh, on my website at teachmanagement.com. Last week, I worked with a little friend, and we used some really fun props to make books more exciting and more interesting, and I did a little post about that, so check that out. I also highlighted a couple of shows, a couple of podcasts from November and December with little summaries, and in case you missed the shows about play ideas for kids who don't like toys, go back and listen to those shows because I've gotten so many good emails from therapists or and from parents who've said, I listened to that show and I tried some new things and you know, thank you for those ideas. Got some really uh, great responses that I wouldn't have gotten because I was really trying to stick to traditional toys. So listen to those shows if you missed those at the end of 2013. One other show that I wanted to mention was with Kim Rowe about toy rotation. And again, got some great feedback about that show. We did it right before Christmas. We did it on a Friday afternoon. So you could have missed that if you too have kind of been on your holiday schedule and you've not gotten back in your routine uh, for the new year. So wanted to mention those articles. One more thing, I also wrote on January 2nd to start the new year a little post about the number of words in a child's vocabulary and got incredible response from Facebook for therapists who who were tagging other therapists and who were saying, thank you for this information regarding typical language development. So if you haven't had a chance to look at that, Go look at it, and again, it's at teachmetotalk.com. The name of the article is Number of Words in a Child's Vocabulary. And because of the good feedback, I'm going to do a show about that this year. I think it's scheduled for the last week in January, but I'm, I'm going to take that and expand it as much as I possibly can and turn it into a show. And so, again, if, if you have some thoughts about that or, or questions about it, That's going to be coming up uh, at the end of the month. Let me also mention um, I'm doing a show next week with guidelines for setting up groups for toddlers. We've talked about group activities before, but I had a great question from a wonderful speech pathologist named Jackie, and I believe Jackie's in Singapore, and she's setting up some toddler groups, and so she had some great questions, and I said, you know, this is too much to answer in an email, or I think it was a Facebook post. Let me do a show about that. So that's coming up next week. And actually, today's guest kind of did the same thing. Julie is a speech pathologist who messaged me. And Julie, your message was on Facebook, wasn't it? Yes. And you had a question, and I said, I do not have time to (laughs) respond in the way that I need to respond. So how about you come on the show, and let's talk about it so we can 
kind of dig into these reasons that this might be happening with your little client. And so I'm so happy you were able to join me today, Julie. Thank you so much. And this is kind of at a different time because we had to accommodate Julie's uh, mom duties. Is your little girl asleep right now? She's 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 working on it, so <laughs> I, I hope she doesn't <laughs> So that's why we had the time change today. It's to accommodate all these real-life things that happen with guests or with my schedule. So Julie's here, and I've already kind of prefaced that you sent me this Facebook question. So Julie, tell us about yourself if you want to, or just kind of jump on into what your question was. Well, I am a early intervention speech pathologist. I work in Pennsylvania. Um, I work with the birth to three population. Mm -hmm. And I've been doing it about, I've been a speech pathologist for uh, 11 years in early intervention for, uh, this will be my seventh year. So I've had some experience around the block, but I still find myself having some questions, <laughs> which is why I ended up emailing you. <laughs> well, and that's what keeps this job so exciting, because just when you think you've seen it all, <laughs> you get a new situation, <laughs> or you might, yeah, or you might get a situation that's, that you've seen before, but it's it's kind of a different take on it or a different little facet of that. So, I, again, I think that's what makes this job so exciting because we never get it all quite figured out. And so the, the question that you have today, though, is something that I've seen over and over in my career. I used to see it a lot more than I've seen it lately, and I'll talk about that as we go, but, but go ahead and ask your question, and then we'll just dive right in. So the question is that I, was, I am working with a little boy who's about two and a half years old, and I go in and work with the mom, and we have our nice little therapy session, and the little boy never talks. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. Just... He would prefer to gesture and do all the things that I'm trying to right. coach the parent out of doing um, instead of getting those words and using the words that his mom says, he talks up a storm when I'm not around. So for me, it's difficult to plan, okay, here's what I can suggest, here's what I you know, would like to try to work on today because she says he's doing all these things, but I never see them. Um, so that makes yeah. therapy kind of, well, quite difficult with him. <laughs> it really does because you never quite know where you stand with a kid like exactly. that. And, you mm -hmm. you know, and it could be for lots of reasons, and I've seen it for with with several different kinds of kids and several different reasons. So we're just going to tease this apart, and if something makes sense for your little guy, I want you to jump in and we'll kind of talk about it. And if it doesn't make sense, I want you to say, no, that's not it. <laughs> but I'm still going to talk about it a little bit because chances are there's another speech pathologist or early interventionist who's listening that could be struggling with the same thing because we all see this happen from time to time. And, and before I kind of go into what it could be, why do you think it is? I mean, do you have a gut read on this now as to what you think is happening? Well, I've been working with him for about two months, once a week. Um, he does seem like he has a very strong personality, and mom blames dad. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you know, I, I don't think that it's he, I, I don't think he's lazy. I, I don't think that he's disinterested. I just think that 
he might be a little on the shy side, even though he comes off as headstrong. Right. And, you know, right. kind of putting the light on him really puts a lot of pressure, and he's he's just not yeah. ready for that. Well, and you have the, the first reason when I was jotting down notes for today that this can happen with a kid really is that it's temperament-based and that they're shy. And a kid like this, and again, you know, you can have shyness from birth. It really is an inborn personality trait, and, and we're not going to change that with speech therapy, you know, and nor would we want to. You know, we want to enhance a child's uh, communicative ability, certainly, and give them things to talk about, but, but I would hope that a person's, a therapist's goal isn't to really change who the kid is and who he kind of comes to us as and will leave us as. And so shy kids will naturally talk more as we go in therapy, but we're never probably going to change that, that their need to warm up and get used to you. And you said you've only been seeing him for a couple of months, so this is still pretty right. new to him. Right. And right. so shyness, yeah, and the younger a child is, the more likely we're able to see it because of that whole separation anxiety issue. And you're seeing him at home, right? Your Pennsylvania's program is home-based, right? Yes. Yeah, and sometimes this happens even more frequently for therapists who work in a in a clinical setting. And in school, it might be a little bit easier because the child is used to going to school or hopefully by this time or certainly after the first couple of months of school. That's a routine. You may not see shyness as much of an issue at school as you would if the child were coming to you um, in a clinical setting. However, I saw kids at home for years and years and years and years and years, and just adding a new person into the home environment can sometimes really rattle a two-year-old. And so we, we will see that, and we will experience, you know, and, and some kids are just going to, for some kids it's two weeks. For some kids it's two minutes, and they feel like they know you and they're ready to go. But for some kids, and I know since you've worked for several years now, it does take what seems like an abnormally long amount of time to warm up. And for those kinds of kids, you know, time is your real issue there. And and that's your solution with what would make that better. And the more comfortable he becomes with you and the more comfortable he is with the therapy routine and when he knows what to expect and, and knows, knows, you know, who you are and what your personality is, they do tend to, it gets a little easier and they kind of warm up. Now, have you had children before who seemed a little shy but then warmed up over time? I, I've never had one take this long. And, and the, the yeah. problem that I'm running into is that with early intervention, the population I'm working with is we're done at three. Um, right. And <laughs> while I do want to respect that, you know, he's, his personality is maybe a little on the shy side, you know, the parent right. kind of wants some results and, you know, see some things that are that I'm suggesting that can help. And, you know, when, right. when a child need that, needs that much warm-up time, it really makes things more difficult to um, yeah. troubleshoot and make suggestions and things along that line. Well, the clock is ticking, and it does Correct. make you feel under a little bit of pressure, not mm-hmm. only for the kid, but, you know, like you mentioned with the parents. You know, I'm sure – you're doing a great job saying to mom, 
this is just going to take a little bit of time. He seems a little shy. Is, are you talking about those kinds of things with her? Sure. Is that Absolutely. her take on the situation? Yeah. And what does she say? Does she say that he's a shy child and just needs time to warm up? Or no? Her feeling is that he's stubborn and headstrong. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not sure yeah. which, which is accurate. She probably knows him better than I do, but, you know, it seems sure. like sometimes children that do seem headstrong are tend to be a little more shy, even though they come off maybe with a stronger right. personality and they're in the comfort of their caregivers. Well, and I think that we'll see adults with that same temperament. You might find someone that you work with in an office, you know, and maybe not in a therapy setting, but it could be in a therapy setting too, you know, just kind of a a typical adult environment and, and a, a woman might come off as a real witch, for lack of a better word, but really it's just kind of a defense mechanism because she's an introvert and she's not right. as comfortable with being around people. And so she kind of establishes herself as, don't talk to me, don't mess with me, right. as a way to get to avoid interaction with people. Yeah. And so while I don't think a two-year-old can really sit and make that decision with, you know, sitting in his crib in the morning thinking, oh, Julie's coming today, mm, I'm not <laughs> going to talk to her. He's not doing that, but they certainly there is an inborn kind of, you know, we, we all kind of come into this world, I think, with, with personality traits that, again, we're not going to change for... Um, just with speech therapy is what I'm trying to say. So, okay, so we think shyness is that, is that. And I want to say I love that you are not saying, well, he's shy and it's just going to take as long as it takes. And if it takes him a year to get used to me, that's just fine because you don't have a year and right. because you're not living in that kind of denial. And I think it, sometimes therapists do kind of get that way. And parents can get that way too. They, I've, I've seen moms with two-year-olds and two-and-a-half-year-olds that, that have such limited speech-language skills, and they really kind of blame it on, well, he's shy like his dad. His dad doesn't talk very much either. When, when it's a real neurological uh, deficit here, when, there's, when it's a really big deal that the kid isn't talking, mm-hmm. it's not that the kid isn't choosing to talk. They're just, you know, they can't talk yet. So I'm so glad you're not kind of lulled into that. And, and again, I know... Some listeners, especially if this is a, um, a listener who's a mom that's never kind of thought about it in that way, you know, we don't want to take that approach. Even if a kid does have a shy personality, we still need to work on establishing that relationship, making them feel comfortable, making therapy really um, routine-oriented so that they know what to expect and so that they feel comfortable so that over time that anxiety piece plays less and less a part. Okay, let me ask you another question about this this family and this little guy. Do you think there's any chance that he's not really talking when you're not there, or do you 100% believe, Mom, that he's talking, you just haven't heard it yet? I, I tend to... Go in between. <laughs> I yeah. think he's talking. I don't. Yeah. I don't know if he's talking as much as mom is saying that he's talking. Um, but I definitely think that he speaks more and communicates more when I'm not there. 
So I, yeah. I would say a, half, a happy medium between the two. <laughs> yeah, and I'm thinking of either one. Initially, now, there I've, was an issue of mom thought that there was a problem, dad didn't think there was a problem, grandma thought there was a problem, you know, somebody else didn't think there was a problem, and she kind of begrudgingly got the evaluation. So it was that, you know, maybe, well, maybe something is wrong, maybe something isn't wrong, so we're not really sure if we right. want to believe it. Um, right. You know, think that I'm running you know, against that and, battle. Exactly. And moms really, it's, it's so interesting when that when that whole kind of, dynamic kind of plays out in real life because you'll you'll hear a mom say you know she she called and got the evaluation she scheduled it on her own nobody made her do it you know you're not there under court order or anything you know she did it of her own volition but there's a little bit of denial going on in that he can't really be behind. This can't right. really be a problem. So sometimes we do have moms that that are fighting that, and then when that happens, they do tend to over-report a little bit. And, again, I don't think it's anything that they're intentionally doing. It's, it's kind of a just a, a compensatory thing or or a, I hate to use the word denial, but they really are trying to kind of reassure themselves that this is not that bad. He really does talk. It's working. We're having a great time. (laughs) Right. And it kind of, in a way, alleviates any kind of internal pressure she's feeling, and she kind of may even subconsciously put that back on you with, well, this is all about you now versus this is about my child. And I've had that happen with parents where I've just had to say, Let's really figure out a way so that I can hear what you're describing. And a long time ago, I would I would really recommend that parents keep word journals. And I would say, I want you to write down what he says and kind of write yourself some little notes if you need to so that you can remember if he said it on his own or if he imitated you. You know, that gives you a great opportunity to talk about how important imitation is and we really want kids copying what we say you know but you kind of want to know whether these are all spontaneous words or they're imitated because we get great information from that and then you know and I would say I want you to keep this and again keep some little notes for me so we can talk about it sometimes then after doing a word journal like that a mom would then say gosh, he's really not saying as much as I thought he was. Or she might find that he's saying three words, but he says them all day long, but he's only saying three different words. So that's before she was reporting, gosh, he's saying he talks all the time. And when I hear he talks all the time, I'm thinking that, you know, he's using 40 or 50 different words, and it just might be three that he says 10 or 15 times a day. And because he hasn't talked at all, mom sees that as, Tremendous progress when we might look at that as, okay, that's a step in the right direction, but we're not exactly setting the world on fire here. And right. <laughs> it kind of gives them perspective with how how much he's talking, how many different words there are. Sometimes then uh, moms will um, report a pretty decent-sized vocabulary, and then I'll know based on that. First of all, it always kind of makes me want to say, well, then why am I here if he's talking that much? <laughs> Which I'm sure right. our listeners, you might have already thought that. You know, well, if he's talking so much, why did you even call? Or, you know, why is, right. why are you doing therapy <laughs> in the first place? And I've kind of said that to parents before to kind of help them reset because they'll say, well, then what do you mean 
you said he was behind. I said, I know, but you said he's talking all the time. You know, let kind of figure out which one it really is. And, again, it takes a certain finesse to be able to say that to a parent without really making them mad. <laughs> so you've got to kind of know whether you can pull that off and whether that will be so offensive to a parent. And, you know, I would never say that to every parent, just parents that I feel like they would be able that would open a discussion rather than them get really, really defensive and angry. But it does kind of, again, reset the tone so that you're both sure that you're talking about the same thing. Uh, and you would never want a parent to hear you say that and go, great, I didn't want to do this therapy thing anyway. So we would never, you know, you wouldn't ever say it to a parent, too, if you thought that were even a possibility that they would um, get offended and get so, uh, or even lulled into thinking there's not a problem anymore. She's right, he's talking all the time. I knew this therapy wasn't necessary when you know in your heart that it really, really is. So. I know I'm kind of rambling here, but that that's kind of all the consideration around that. The word journal thing, have you asked her to do a word journal? I have, and I a lot of my clients I ask to do word journals. <laughs> Something that I'm really trying to encourage and get parents to jump on board with, but I, I find that I get a lot of resistance of, oh, I'm so busy, and he says something, and I can't right. jump up and get you know, so I, I'm finding it hard to maybe give suggestions to them on how to better incorporate it. You know, I've said, you know, have it by you during the time that you're playing on the floor with him, and that way it's right there, or have your phone, pull up a list on your phone, you know, you have, and I show right. them the notes feature, you know, whatever phone that they're using, right. and I try to find a feature yeah. they can just pull up. Um, but for the most part, I get that, oh, yeah, they said a lot of stuff, but I never wrote it down. <laughs> I know, and this is what I do with that kind of parent. I say, you know, I really, really, really want to help you, but I don't understand what the problem is yet. So I've got to know what these words are so that I can figure out in therapy what what activities I can use to also hear these words, or again, like you're saying, so that I can make some better suggestions to you. So when that's the case, I really put gentle pressure on the parent and say, your only homework this week is to come up with a list of words, you know, and please, not as I'm walking up to your door, you know, let's figure out a way we can get that done. A lot of moms, I love your idea about the phone. I have had a lot of moms, I'll say, okay, it doesn't even have to be on one list. Let me help you. Let's keep a list here in the den. Here's the sheet of paper. Let's go put a sheet of paper on the fridge. You know, where else could we put a sheet of paper here in your home? that this would be realistic. And if you've done that a couple of weeks in a row, I mean, I think that they really kind of get the message with, oh, she's serious, I better go ahead and do this. And, of course, you know, you can't force compliance. If she won't do it, she won't do it. And and when that happens, I always then tend to think, well, there probably aren't any words that she says or she would come up with a list. That would be my gut read on that. And, again, I've had okay. it either way with parents. And I don't know this mom at all, so I'm just coming up with what possibilities could be. You know, you're the one in there seeing her every week. so And you're going to know what, what would fly with and what wouldn't and, again, what your gut reaction might be if after two or three weeks a mom tells you all this and she still can't come up with a list. Unless mom is really, really cognitively challenged, I have a hard time kind of buying that. And, okay. again, that might not be, you know, you're not going to, certainly be probably be able to say that you know but at least then you'll kind of know 
where right. where you stand, um, that right. kind of thing. But that that's something I would do. The other thing that I've done with all these fancy phones is just have mom video. You know, if I if I'm talking to a mom like that and she says, well, he, she always talks when she's in the bathtub. I'll say, oh my gosh, would you please video that for me? I would love to see that. And I've actually had some had it go, kind of go both ways with, with watching some videos and thinking, oh, my gosh, she really is doing more than I was giving her credit for. And, again, that, that's such valuable information because it allows me um, an opportunity to see what she can really do, and then I can adjust what we're doing in therapy so that I can hear those same results. Or I've had it go with a mom who might tell me two or three weeks in a row, well, she didn't do it this week. And then it, I, you know, and that second or third time, I'm able to say, "Gosh, so that consistency piece, we're missing that consistency piece. She, she can't really do it here in therapy for me yet. And then you're not hearing it every single time. You're gonna think you're hearing it at home, either. Then are you? And it does kind of again reset it. You know, not to be argumentative with a mom, not to be accusatory, but just to kind of reset the situation. And again, sometimes I think parents think that a kid is talking a lot more than he is because relatively speaking they are compared to not saying anything the other thing that i've had parents do and it doesn't sound like this is happening with this little guy but is that a parent will really mistake babbling or jargon or whatever you want to call it as that the kid is is talking and they're calling it talking in which i'm glad that the kid is vocalizing but if i see a video or if a parent talks about that or if i'm i'm really pressing for a word list and they say I can't come up with a word list but she sounds like she's talking then I'm able to kind of go oh you mean she's using again jargon or babbling or whatever do you think that's going on or do you think it's real words well it's probably a combination of the two he does have the um he has quite a few um substitutions and deletions and distortions and things in his speech for his age so it's okay. it's difficult to tease out what is jargon and what is speech that is just mispronounced. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, and some parents really think all jargon is just, um, you know, if we fix some substitutions and some deletions, that the kid's going to be, you know, doing the Pledge of Allegiance when really it's just jargon. So you're able then to kind of talk to moms about that and say, and in this situation where where there really are some, you know, it's unintelligible speech. It's he he's trying to talk. You just he has so many logical things going on that you can't understand him, and then help her kind of think about times when that may not be going on when it's just babbling or vocalizing it or again whatever you want to call it so that she kind of understands that. And I never want to discourage that with a parent. I always say, gosh, I'd rather him be noisy than quiet. You know, I'm so excited. But I don't think that these are real words yet. And while, again, we're on on the right track, I want you to kind of take a step back and think that it it may just have been um, a vocalization rather than a true word approximation. And, again, some parents get upset about that, but then some parents are – strangely relieved because then they're like oh I wasn't even supposed to understand it or oh well that makes more sense to me because it seemed pretty darn random to me too and then (laughs) it 
you know, they kind of think, well, oh, I haven't been, I haven't been thinking about this in the right way. And so, and again, it can go either way. And I, I don't know this. You know, I'm going to say this over and over in my little disclaimer. I don't know this family. Haven't seen them. So you'll kind of have to figure out which way it could go on that. But that might be something to talk about. And it's certainly something I've talked with moms about. I had a little friend several years ago who was on the spectrum. And mom would tell me all the time, he just talks up a storm when you're not here. He is, oh, my gosh, he talks all the time. I wish you could just hear it. And then when she videoed it and played it back for me, I started thinking we had some echolalia emerging. But I wouldn't have known that because he did not say anything in sessions at all. And so, and but then it was helpful for me to point out that, like, I kind of think I recognize the tune to veggie tales here. I kind of think he's trying to kind of sing a little bit. That's what this sounds like to me. It doesn't really sound like he's talking in the way that I thought you were telling me he was talking. And so sometimes it's just that everybody getting on the same page and kind of making sure that what she's <laughs> saying he's doing that you really really understand it but you know you don't know right. that unless you see it yeah so so would she video for you do you think have you done that you've done a work journal i've i've never suggested video that's that's a great um that's a great point so i'll, I'll definitely suggest that the next time that i see them yeah um, i have a little guy that i'm seeing tomorrow who is not verbal he's five i've talked about him a lot on the show and Grandma told me he got a new sling. They gave him his big Christmas present before Christmas. And so she immediately said, oh, he's talking, he's talking more, he's talking more. And, you know, I said, I've I got to see that. i got to see it. And so when she videoed it, it was easier for me to talk to her and say, gosh, I love that he's vocalizing more. And you realize that's not a real word? Yeah. You know, so you're able to really – talk about it again in a way that makes more sense when you've got when you see it and when you've got it there so she knows exactly what you're talking about too so I think it's a good idea some parents will go for it but some parents won't okay well it's certainly worth a try to suggest it um that's for sure (laughs) yeah and it's again if you have some pushback on that over several weeks and if a mom would, would tell me you know she always or I always hear him talk when we're slinging, or he always goes on and on and on when we're in the car, or the car is probably not a good example, but somewhere else that's where she could video and then she doesn't week after week after week after week to really kind of, um, I would know that, and I would know either A, she's not really committed enough to do it, B, she's, you know, blowing me off, it's not really happening, so that's why she can't video it. Or her life is so crazy busy, I need to give her a big old break and just back off. And so, again, you're going to be able to kind of tease out what's going on with but, – but you might be able to do it until you make the request. Mm-hmm. Okay. So just, just an idea there. All right, let's talk about some other things that could happen. We talked about this a little bit. Sometimes, and this used to happen a lot with me, especially years and years and years ago when I knew that I needed to be fun and exciting and play, And but I would have a whole lot of kids that didn't say anything, not a whole lot, but some kids that wouldn't say anything. It was more of a pattern, and I started realizing that, yeah, I want kids to be excited about therapy, but I can't be so... Um, 
overwhelming for them and, you know, going in and, and, again, focusing on being high energy and fun, then I never give them a chance to respond. And so if the kid is so enthralled by what's going on, it's a good thing. But if he's just watching the show and can't really jump in there right. and participate, that's not really therapy either. So don't know if that could be what's going on with him. And, again, some toddlers that have that long time to warm up, that's what it is. The experience is just so new to them that they they can't figure out how to navigate that that back and forth piece so they can't kind of jump in there. And that's probably not what's happening here because I don't hear you saying anything like that. But just to kind of put that out there for another therapist who might be listening to the show. Sometimes it's that we're not building in opportunities for them to respond or we get so into I've got to do this, I've got to do this, which is a good thing because we're thinking, let's change me before I change the kid, that we're not really providing that opportunity for the kid to respond. And so we need to back it off a little bit so that the kid can have a chance to talk, for lack of a better word. Uh, Another thing that we do sometimes is we're so high energy and we're so play-based and all of that too is that we don't allow enough processing time and so that a kid really may not, have a chance to pull it all together and, and really understand and own what's happened before we're out the door. And so a kid might think about it and kind of relive it in his memory, and then mom hears the words that we worked on. But the kid couldn't do it while we were there because they needed extra processing time. Or a related thing, which you said, is that he just can't do it confrontationally. He can't do it when it's on demand. He can only perform or talk when there's no pressure to do that. Right. And, so, mm-hmm. and and that's happened where, you know, then I'll think, okay, is it is it processing time? Is it just that I need to be more repetitive? Is it that I need fewer activities? You know, so you kind of look at it from how can I structure the session here, provide that child kind of the catch-up time he needs, uh, while still getting a lot done and keeping them engaged because you don't want to lose them if you're being so repetitive that they think, lady, let's move on here. You know, we've already talked about this. I'm not going to be able to say it yet because <laughs> I'm under this pressure, but I'll be able to say it 30 minutes after you leave. And that happens a lot. Is mom saying that he's saying the words that you're using in therapy? Um, not that I, not that I've heard. I mean, there were some verbal routines that we've implemented, like a ready, set, go, where she said he's starting to do go and things like that. But other things are three to four word utterances that he's just oh. spontaneously using throughout the day, mm. like you know, how do you pick up or you know, I see you, things like that. I mean, I see you could kind of be a verbal routine, but. Um, I think it would be a verbal routine. I think it would. Or mom is really missing. She's being so liberal with her interpretation of what he's saying. (laughs) I mean, does he he vocalize that much when you're with him? No, not even even when I'm kind of sitting back and just, you know, doing a little bit of narrating his play. I, I don't ever hear him talking through his play and kind of, um, even verbalizing noises for, you know, cars or trucks or trains or whatever he's he's playing with at that moment, um, I don't really hear a lot coming out. So he's he's not noisy at all. Not together. really. 
what does he do if you kind of bump up the activity level, like if you're chasing him or if you're, you know, doing any kind of physical movement? Do you hear more noise then? Well, he's very particular in the activities that he does. They always have to be his idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that would probably be something that mom would have to do um, throughout the day. I don't think it would be something that I could try to work in because he can be pretty resistant to uh, new activities, new toys, new suggesting new ideas when it's not yeah. what it's what his little box is saying to do right now. <laughs> okay, so is that rigidity? Is it? Do you think that rigidity is because he knows he can't talk and he's doing everything he can to control the situation because he's you know, pretty smart and is doing that, or do you think the rigidity is because he's on the spectrum? I, I don't. I don't believe he's on the spectrum. Um, I, I do think that during the day his day is pretty unstructured and he can kind of do what he wants how he wants um, yeah yeah and so i think you're that, not and, seeing you know, when any other it, yeah go ahead he balks because well he balks because he likes to be the boss and he wants to do things right. his own way and that's how they get through the day so that's what it looks like to you more than you don't see any other red flags that would make, because that whole rigidity piece is a huge red flag for toddlers who later go on to be diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. And a lot of times in higher functioning kids, the rigidity is really the first thing that might make you, besides late talking, the first piece that really might start looking, this is beyond a toddler kind of wanting to control the show, it's him not being able to move on and not being able to transition and not being able to accept alterations in the routine. And again, it's because of the spectrum tendencies, not just normal toddlerhood. You don't see any of anything to make you concerned about that, right? Initially, that was a red flag for me. Um, and mom and I did spend a lot of time talking about eye contact and the importance of, right. you know, the intent to communicate and things like that. And he picked up on that very So that, okay. that, the eye contact isn't a problem anymore. So to me, that says it's more of, it's, it's not a high functioning. Um, okay. Okay. And the reason that for, not because of this little boy, but for other people who are listening, a lot of times moms will, and I've mentioned this before, report hearing some of these little pop-out things, and these are their first little echolalic phrases. And, again, it could be delayed echolalia, meaning that they've heard it on a television show or, or maybe mom said it. The last time they played Play-Doh, they're going to kind of start to echo what the script was before. And so, again, sometimes with high-functioning autism, the first little things that we're going to hear are those echolalic little phrases that, again, mom may not realize, you know, he's saying, I see you because the last time events occurred as they did on that day, that's kind of what mom said. So you don't think it's that. You don't think that there's some early echolalic things going on that you just haven't really heard yet or haven't really identified yet? Um, not, not for this particular client, no. Okay. Okay, good. Well, that's great. 
but I just wanted to throw that out there for anybody who might be listening <laughs> because that certainly is something that's happened before. All right, so um, you to you it feels like he's kind of used to doing his own thing but not in a I want to avoid people kind of way. He's doing his own thing in that I'm two and I rule this house, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which happens a lot. It happens a lot. And, again, we can't go in and always change family dynamics right away either. And sometimes with these kids, I think it's easy for us as therapists to say, well, that mom needs to quit letting him get away with that. And she needs to, she needs to you know, lower the bone here and, have some have some more structure and da 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 da, and then if we had to live though in the same situation, we might be a little less um, emphatic that our opinions would be right because you never know what a mom has to do to really get through the day, and so right. she may be busy with other things. I mean, I've certainly seen parents who work at home or parents who moms who have four children under the age of five, and I think, well, no wonder she's letting him do his own thing because she can't get anything done, and thank goodness he's not being, you know, a, a total, uh, as even as persistent as we would want him to be, I'm trying not to say the wrong thing here, you know, but but some I, I so get why some moms would say with some children, I'm just going to have to let him do what he wants to do because I don't want to pay the price for me. Um, either making him be totally compliant all day? Do you think that's what it is? I think that's a huge part of it because what happens when, you know, when I first started, I tried to go in and structure some things and I did some setting up the environment and toy withholding and things like that. I mean, we had some major, major meltdowns, like banging the head on the floor and stomping Uh, the feet and kicking the feet and hitting mom and hitting me. Yeah, um, yeah. So I, I think and that's so with, it. And mom has a new um, little girl who's who's eight months old. So I think, you know, of course she's she's busy with her as well, trying to manage too. Sure. Um, so I think the path of least sure. resistance is sometimes the, the way to go what she in a situation. Do, yeah. What she has to do to get through the day. And she's had back-to-back babies, and her life has been a blur for two and a half years now. But I get that. And I get it. <laughs> Yeah, I totally get it. And you're not going to be able to change that. You can't do anything about right. that. You can't hire her full-time nanny, and she is not going to have or, you know, or have somebody there for enough support for her for her to be able to do it any other way. And the other right. thing is sometimes we ask parents to make huge changes just in their personality. You know, she may be the path of least resistance. I mean, that's her, that's how she interacts with everybody. And she's been that mm-hmm. way forever. So we're certainly good- not going to change that, yeah, mm-hmm. when it comes to how she parents her child. it is. I hate it when it happens, though, because sometimes you want to say to a mom, you know, if you could just be a little more structured here and, and demanding but in a fun way, we could probably mm-hmm. alter the course of this a little bit, and it certainly would make therapy go a little bit better. Because then I'm not the only person who looks like wicked, you know, witch of the West coming in here because I'm the only person that seems to be making demands on this little guy. Okay. So back to verbal routines, Julie. Has he, when when you are, I know that you can't be 
particularly controlling or bossy with him because he's going to totally, that is not going to work at all. But if you are really kind of structured and routine-based with, with when you get there, you always kind of do the same things and say the same things and have, even if you don't have exactly the same toys, you kind of have the same flow to therapy. I wonder if you wouldn't start to hear some, some of those verbal routines more frequently. I want, if he's, if he's done go with mom, I wonder how many different toys or how many different play routines you could come up with that in one hour you could give him, you know, 55 opportunities to use go. And so that if you set it up and made it super structured, if you wouldn't start to hear some things then, do you, do you think that's a possibility or do you think that would, that would improve anything? I can certainly try it. It's something that I haven't tried yet. Um, I don't know if he would be willing to, yeah. you know, like when I try to change what he's doing with the toy, um, what he has in his mind, I, I still get some resistance, not nearly as much as I used to get. Um, right. But, right, it's, you know, if he's got in his mind that choo-choo needs to go through the tunnel right now and I kind of put a roadblock in there and say, ready, set, go, I mean, I might get the choo-choo thrown at my head. <laughs> right. Um, you know, and those kids, I do everything I can not to kick them off. I mean, I really do because I, how you described the sessions, earlier sessions where you were kind of battling, that really doesn't work with a kid like that because they do dig in so much that then they end up hating you and won't Mm -hmm. do anything. And I, you know, and I I can say that with complete confidence because I've made that mistake. And it can even creep in. I had a little guy this summer who uh, was an out of state evaluation they just came for one day i'm in kentucky and they live in indiana and they um or i think the grandparents lived in indiana and he lived in ohio and they all kind of met in my office and he uh i did not realize that rigidity was should have been this little boy's name and again lovely family lovely parents i mean the best grandparents you could ever ask for but I didn't pick up on any of that when I read his intake information, and I made him so mad in the first few minutes of trying to do the things that, you know, we all do with the withholding and the sabotaging and communication temptations, whatever you want to call it. I tried to do all of that, and it was too much for him, and I could never get it going with him again the whole rest of the session when they were here, and that was, that was my fault. And, again, I didn't pick on up that, not only in the paperwork, but in the first few minutes, and I usually set that little guy off. Now, he, I think, will get a diagnosis of autism. And the whole, again, that's why I want to kind of bring it back to anybody who's listening, that you have a little guy like that. In the, in the new criteria for diagnosing ASD or autism spectrum disorders, that, that's right up there now. That's one of the, the main criteria is that resistance to change and resistance to, you know, that inflexibility with play. So when we see that over time and with lots of different people and it's not just situationally based, that we really do need to think about that in terms of uh, diagnostically where we want to go. But you've readjusted with this little guy, so it's not as much of a problem. But right. I... 
I think if I were you, I would just try to really do some routines and, again, do it in a way that it looks like it's his idea, but that you are really maybe not physically interjecting yourself, if that's what seems to set him off, but so that you're verbally really providing those routines. And, Julie, you may have to do the same routines with this little guy since it's been so hard to warm up. I mean, it really might be weeks or months before you even start to kind of hear some participation with that. But what I would do is pick a few, and I would I would go through what Mom says he's already said. So if she's hearing go, I would certainly do ready, set, go. Um, down is another one that I do with, you know, ring around the rosies, we all fall down. And then, you know, ride a little horsey, we all fall down. That's kind of a good key word that if you keep cueing and cueing and cueing and again in the context of a verbal routine, that might be a word that, that you start to hear in therapy sessions. So I would, I would pick things that you know mom would be able to kind of carry over to and that okay. would go across context like you've already done with ready, set, go. And if that's what you've, if that's what mom has reported that he said, I would try to capitalize on any kind of pattern or any kind of consistency that she's reported through, um, you know, just her verbal report or if she has some success with doing a word journal so that you can start to hear that. And so I would set up those situations where, where you have multiple opportunities to hear that same keyword in therapy and see if, if you can get it. And let me tell you, you'll start to pick out pretty soon if um, there's any that other stuff going on, if there's any echolalia or um, that has to be so context-specific or he can't pop it out or whatever. Now, any chance this little guy, do you think he has motor planning issues so that when you're cueing your words and, and doing all the things that you're doing that, because of his motor planning issues, that's why he can't respond? Have you, have you thought about that before? Or it doesn't seem to be the case with this little guy. Initially, I did consider that, but, you know, he, he eats very well. I've seen him eat. He eats very well. Um, his gross motor is unbelievable for a two-and-a-half-year-old. His fine motor, yeah. um, like writing and, and little tedious little skills of picking up, you know, small pieces and transferring them, that all seems very great. Yeah. for his age, um, you know, he sticks out his tongue, he does all the, <clears throat> you know, silly movements with his face, he can imitate movements with his face, um, so... Well, then he's, he's not a practice then, so rule that off. Yeah, I initially did think that, but <laughs> I ruled yeah. that out pretty quickly in about two sessions. <laughs> okay, good deal. Okay, so do you think, let me ask you this, one other thing that it might be is that, and the and this really could be it for this little guy, your interaction style is so different from mom or from what he's used that he there's he just can't again that confrontational performance piece he just can't do it yet because it's so outside his norm and so if you're pulling back a little bit which would be more like what it sounds like mom does but you haven't really seen results with that yet either right well, I, I I am seeing more now that I'm taking a passive approach at therapy, which, okay. you know, is out of my box, but, you know, you have to do what you have to do. <laughs> I am so um, with you, sister. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
um, you know, and but I I feel like that's again he's he's two and a half, and I you know I only have six months with him left, um, and while I don't want to press him, you know, yeah. I know I'm I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place on that one, yeah, because I do think that's really that's good. a distinctability. I mean, I'm very animated. I'm very you know, just as you said, that's yeah. just kind of what speech therapists do, and right. mom is calm and very I don't want to say flat, but she's just She's just very, like, soothing. You, she's you know. flat. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So <laughs> she, um, yeah, we definitely have different different styles and, and approaches, and I'm sure that could certainly be um, one of the reasons, like you said, that it's just too much for him. And I come in, and he's like, what the heck is this lady even doing? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, those kinds of kids, I'll just tell you up front, those are really hard kids for me to work with, too, because you do have to be so careful not to go too far the other way then either. I mean, sometimes those kids really would be fine if you just sat there the whole time and didn't make a demand and didn't really interact with them at all. And, again, these these aren't kids that we're talking about being on the spectrum. These are just kids, for lack of a better word, would just prefer um, no big jolts or surprises to their little sensory system. So, you know, that could certainly be playing a factor too. So in that case, what I do is I still do the verbal routines and I still get pretty even if it's even if the activities are different and even if I'm really following the kids lead and letting them do what they want to do I'm trying to still be pretty routine based in what I say so that he's hearing the same things over and over and over again and again based on what mom has reported that he does for her so that you can start to hear some of that too. Now, I can hear some therapists thinking out loud, but why would you want to not try to get something new? If, if he's already saying it for mom, who cares? Just move on. I don't really believe that because I believe you that kids, again, like you would believe, you've got to hear some of this to kind of believe it, and you mm-hmm. want to really reinforce the frequency so that he's able to use these words not just in a really specific structured if all the planets are aligned situation but said that he can communicate across settings and the different people and and then mom had that conversation how important it is for him not to just use one word in one context at one point in time like it has to be global you know right and so do you so it sounds like too he's not at that point yet everything and and when i hear when i hear that happening that really tells me that this is a kid who's still kind of at the verbal routine level. I mean, it has to be so contextually, contextually related or they can't do it. And so, again, that could be because of a cognitive thing. They only associate a certain word with one particular activity, and there's very little evidence that they're going to carry over. How did you, how, I didn't even ask you about his receptive language. Is it close to on track? Yes. Yes, the okay. evaluation showed that it was okay. um, it was normal, and you know all the things that I'm seeing are, are reinforcing okay. that. Okay. All right. So if it's not apraxia, not autism, and it's not receptive language, and it's it's only been two months. So to me, that would I would just automatically think I'm going to have to get 
a little more creative with being a little more structured. Does that make sense to you? You're going to have to sneak in with being more more your way and more routines-based, and this kid would probably like, but you got to kind of get that going so that, that he has enough repetition for him to be able to use those words and or phrases um, so that you can hear those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you're going to really know what he's doing. The other thing that I would that I would really fall back to is really insisting that mom give you really specific feedback about exactly what she's saying. Okay, back to you said that he did I see you. Have you played that with him? We, I tried, and it was my idea, and he didn't want to do it. <laughs> uh, and I tried to get mom to do it to see if I could kind of repeat yeah. that same context, and, and he wasn't having it. <laughs> okay, I think now at the end of our hour, I can say, this is just a really hard kid. Yes. <laughs> and you sound like you're on the right track. Yeah, and certainly all these little things that we've talked about, it sounds like you've already kind of thought about those. And... You know, this is not your first year or two to work. So what I would say is just double down on, you know, what what your initial instincts were with I'm going to just back off a little bit for this kid because it makes him too mad when I'm in a space and I'm going to try to let things look like they're more his idea even though they're really kind of my idea. And I'm going to, again, double down on the verbal routine so that you give him enough repetition and enough predictability to be able to participate, especially with words that mom has said that he can that he says. And anything you hear in therapy, excuse me, I would just give mom, you know, ten ideas of how she could elicit and facilitate that same word. And that would be her homework that week. Is really kind of maybe not ten, but you know, tell me how those situations went. And I would I know Pennsylvania is a very um from what, I, from what other people tell me about Pennsylvania, you guys do a great job with parent education and making sure that parents participate and that they, that they carry over your strategies. And I know that's a, a big deal in Pennsylvania. And so I would really, you know, reel mom in with this is what I need to hear from you so that I can, I can make the most of our time. And it sounds like you've already done that. So I want to pat you on the back and say, good job. You just got to hang in there and... <laughs> Do more. Uh, you plug it ahead. I guess that's <laughs> slow and steady wins the race, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, really, with this situation, it sounds like you've already ruled out a lot, and it just boils down to really busy mom who's got her hands full with two back-to-back babies. Um, and they weren't. She wasn't even really sure there's the problem, so there may be even a kind of a still a little level of I don't know how to deal with this going on, which is completely understandable. She may not have all the time in the world to document for you what she hears, but I hope that that's the big thing that you can change too in the next couple of sessions so that you get better ideas so that you're not going to feel like you're just flapping the wind. Right, right, and that's and that's what I want to avoid. So I will definitely focus on... Um, trying to get her into videos and word lists a, a little bit more. I, maybe I haven't been um, emphasizing the importance enough, so I'll step that up. Yeah, and I would, just, I would just tell her, I would say, I've been racking my brain about him. I've just been thinking about him night and day. He is, I have got to figure him out, and you've got to help me. 
and maybe, you know, kind of pulling her in that way with this is such an interesting kid. And this, this is all the truth, you know, to say that to her. He is a really interesting kid who you're having to really step back a little bit and, um, you know, put your thinking cap on with what can I do to make this work a little better. And so I would just tell her that you've got to have some different information so that you're going to know how to help them. But don't say it in a way so that she's going to say, I don't really need you anyway. Thanks so much. Good luck. You know, it's been just packing out the door. Right. I don't want that either. But I do think that, that that's, you know, based on what you've said that you've done, that's where I would go with it, with, with getting more information from mom and then with your verbal routines as you kind of let him still be in charge a little bit. Well, as okay. much as he needs to be in therapy. And then over time, if you can if you can take the reins back a little bit and, and have more of what would be your normal or your comfort zone, I think over time you'll be a little bit more successful with that too. But that's easier said than done, and I totally get that. <laughs> well, you know, I, I don't have a choice at this point because I want to help him. I want to help the mom. So, you know, me being uncomfortable for an hour a week is, is <laughs> the least that I can do to help this little guy out. <laughs> You can do it. You can do it. Thank you so much for calling with that question, Julie. And I'm, it is a, it is something that comes up, and it is very confusing every single time that it happens with the therapist because we think, okay, this is therapy. He's supposed to be talking in therapy, not when I'm not here. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I know. Well, that's I appreciate all your suggestions you. and input. So I'm, I'll keep my fingers crossed that. We'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> that sounds great, and I want you to give me an update. And then you have another great question that I want you to come back on in a few weeks and talk about how to deal with kids who only scream, that screaming yes. is their primary mode. We'll have to do that show in a couple of weeks because that's something that comes up more often than any of us uh, yes. would like to have happen <laughs> too. Okay, well, thanks so much, Julie. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Laura. Have a good day. Bye. Right. You too. All right, bye-bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.